Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. This is a slightly pre-recorded and slightly reactive podcast. My name is John. With me is Jason. Good evening. And Mike. Greetings. This podcast of From the Rookery End over the last 10 seasons uh, has been our, our take on life as a Watford fan. And it's been, oh, it's been all over the place last couple of weeks, almost. So we ended last season on a bit of a down with some results. And then we, we, we had a, a, a transfer window that wasn't quite starting. Then all of a sudden we had a massive week last week with some amazing signings, as I jested, let's say, uh, with the reaction we got. The last week's podcast with the, uh, the skit uh, around the Hornet hotline. And, and we were all excited to go into the, to the Brighton game. And then it sort of fell over a little bit uh, with uh, the negativity coming out because it wasn't a great, great result. Uh, but Football's ruined everything again. <laughs> Football has ruined so being a football fan. It's so often the case, isn't it? Well, I think, I think the, uh, the ferry uh, service from uh, Calais might have ruined your Saturday a little bit as well, Mike. But we'll leave that one. We'll leave that one. Um, but the, but, <laughs> but the, I suppose the, the thing about Saturday, it, was, it, it wasn't good. It's been coming out today, uh, a piece by Adam Leventhal in, uh, on The Athletic website, which we're going to chat to him about again um, soon. The 1881, 50 of them had moved to the middle of the rookery, uh, sort of top middle, uh, only 50. Um, because there were any spaces made available and it didn't go particularly well and they are going to be moving back to where they were before. Now, Mike, you've had some first-hand experience, but you know, Jason and I were, were sat on the on the uh, the right-hand side as you look at the pitch, as we always are, uh, but something, it wasn't a particularly lovely place up in the middle. Well, yeah, and, and it's important to say that I wasn't there, but I'm going off accounts from people I trust absolutely implicitly and, and, and vouch for. But I think it's important to set, set the context, context. You mentioned the 50 people moving, and I think we must, we must frame this correctly. And the reason that the club wanted the, or, or um, what should we say, facilitated the 1881 spread, if you like, to the middle of the, um, middle of the rookery is to, is to give them support. And I think that support is absolutely correct. It's well-founded and well-directed. Those, those group of people, those guys, Roy and his team, have done something extraordinary. The amount of work they've put in, the effort they've put in, the blood, sweat and tears, the time they've given up is, is something that not a lot of football supporters will do. And they deserve the support they get. Uh, and they deserve the credit they get. And and what the club did was um, try to facilitate their move into the centre of the rookery so they could create a better atmosphere. And I don't think there's anyone um, with a Watford at their heart that wouldn't want the atmosphere to be as good as possible at Vicarage Road. So I think we, at the top, I would just like to say that I support the attempt. And it was done in a typically Watford way, a sort of softly, softly way. Season ticket holders in that area were told what was potentially going to happen and were told if you don't think you want to be part of it, if you don't want to be part of the singing section, you have the opportunity to move to anywhere else in the ground uh, and the club would facilitate that by not charging you. So you could have moved to the Sir Elton John stand, uh, not paid the extra this season. So the club were were proactive in supporting the in, in supporting the 1881 and I, I'm on board with that because I think we'll all agree that the better the atmosphere, the better the experience for us as supporters. We enjoy the Vic when it's rocking, and I think the players do as well. So really important to frame it and get the context right. But And perfectly honest, I wasn't at the game, so this isn't, a, this isn't my account, but this is what I've been told by, by someone I trust absolutely implicitly and have absolutely no doubt this is what happened. So 
the bottom line is that some of the new inhabitants of the seats weren't let's shall we say impressed with with some of the people who were there and not standing up and not singing and those people were told in fairly blunt terms shall we say that they should be expected to stand up and they should be expected to sing that was met i think with varying degrees of response some people potentially more aggressive than others um and in effect led to a fairly uh, shall we say mixed uh, at, at best mixed and, and at worst quite an unpleasant atmosphere. Um, and the chap I know who was there came away from it. Um, and this isn't a, someone who, who can't handle himself. This isn't someone who's easily intimidated. This is someone who's been to up and down the country with Watford over for 35 years. But he came away saying, I wouldn't want to take my son there. I wouldn't feel comfortable taking my dad there. And I'd be embarrassed if I had was there with a friend. Such was the sort of the atmosphere between um, rowing supporters from both sides, it has to be said. Yes, and I mean, I did speak to... To Roy, and I'm not going to speak for him, but the one sort of comment he said to me was he said that where he was, because again, the 50 aren't all together, are they? They are split up a little bit. From his point of view, he felt like he was being treated like an away fan. We know it went both ways. And Absolutely. And, I, and yeah, that's, that's, not what, that's not what anyone wants. But what I will say is that for someone who I know very well to come away from Watford Football Club and say as a result of what happened, they wouldn't feel comfortable taking family members or friends. That completely, 100% goes against the grain for what I want, A, from my football watching experience, and B, from being associated to Watford Football Club. Um, I, I am so vehemently against people being unpleasant to each other, at all, <laughs> but let alone, uh, let alone Watford fans. I find it abhorrent. And... I've been so disappointed all week about that and I'm not passing judgment on who who was the most aggressive who was the most unpleasant you know I'm sure that there's there's enough nonsense from from individuals from those that have moved and those that have stayed I've no doubt that it was it was it was probably even but that can't happen and so I'm hugely hugely disappointed with the way it it panned out especially as I said at the top it came from a really good place it came from try to manage it so that it would it would deliver for the 1881 delivered for the club and deliver for the people who have already already sat there and I'm just disappointed it it didn't pan out like that and and basically this I would plea to to Watford supporters we're all on the same page we all want the same thing we want that good raucous noisy atmosphere it's not about singing people will join in with singing it's not about drums or being annoyed that someone's drumming it's about being civil and pleasant to each other and if that isn't happening and if people are sort of getting aggressive and intimidating it's deeply unpleasant deeply depressing and and really quite distressing for me it takes away a huge chunk of what Watford means to me and I think as supporters we owe it to ourselves to work out how we can continue to support those guys the 1881 because um, they've done great work how can we how can we continue to support them whilst also taking into account um the the feelings of people who who don't want to or can't stand up for example i really don't think it's an issue with joining in with singing there's no one in the ground has a problem with with noise with making a racket we're going to the football we're not going to an afternoon of of, of dance or we're not going to the bowls Everyone knows where it's at, whether you've been going for 100 years or five years. You're going to the football, it's noisy, it's raucous. Everyone gets that. What people draw a line at is being treated poorly. That needs to stop. So that is my 
God, I'm back on the soapbox. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. <laughs> well, it's like you've not been away for pre-season. You're back and uh, at full strength. Uh, you're absolutely right. But it's I think the and I think the hardest thing is Roy is has and continues to try and grow this the 1881. And it's weird when we talk about we you know we're talking about the 1881, which is a collective, but actually this was more like individuals. Um, and the really annoying thing is this has just continued on social media, especially today, since the the article Adam wrote came out, and it's like everyone just trying to be black and white. And the trouble is, there's a million, there's well, there's thousands of shades of grey because there's thousands of football fans in that stadium, um, and and Roy. Is yeah, they're, they're trying to do what they do, but how do you actually ac- accomplish that? It's Who absolutely knows? not fair that, that Roy yeah. gets dragged into this. Uh, and no, the, 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 right. the yeah. eighteen we, and we talk about the eighteen eighty one as if it's everyone. It was begun by a group of people no. who, like I said at the top, have sweated and have put in an incredible amount of of effort. It's we mustn't move away from the fact that they they are a good thing, a positive thing. Think back about everything that's happened. The displays, the atmosphere has got better. So we can't just lump it. It's it's a situation that that's occurred, and I don't think it should get blown out of proportion. I think the other thing to remember is that, of course, that the game wasn't anything to write home about, and everyone would will have been exceptionally disappointed about what was unfolding on the pitch in front of them, and that always heightens emotions, doesn't it? When things aren't going well, we're all we're all relatively irrational when it comes to to football one way or the other, and we feel stuff so much keen more keenly when things aren't going our way. So I think that has to be taken into account as well. What I, what I don't want to see happen is people use the 1881 as an excuse just to be bullshit and unpleasant. Even those people are doing it from a good place because they want everyone up and they want everyone singing. But I think everyone needs to take a deep breath. If you're, if for some reason you've got the hump that the 1881 are close to you, having been told that you had the, they were coming and you had the opportunity to move, then then that's one thing. You have to take a deep breath and accept that it's being done for the for with with Watford at heart and 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 roll with it and work with it and be reasonable and vice versa to the to the guys that move across. If people aren't jumping up straight away and joining in, perhaps they're not as experienced in in that sort of ninety minute drum beat support. If they they might you know they're not used to it, then they might not be falling in line immediately. So. If you're if you've moved across to the middle, then perhaps accept that it's going to take a little time for them to to fall in line as well. So it's just realizing that we're all on the same page. We all want the same thing. Um, let's just work work together really to to make it happen. And you're right. There's sort of the black and white. The digging your heels in is is unhelpful because it just it it just there's no sort of sense of like trying to work together. It's all about well, okay, well this should happen and you should never do that or you should. What a load of nonsense. We're all Watford fans wanting to make the day better. We just need to work together. Um, and I think the people that matter and the people that count will will make sure that that happens. Loads and loads of good people as as Watford fans. Loads and loads of people involved in you know, every different element. Um, and I'm sure this will get worked out. Yeah, there's a lovely uh, tweet, wasn't there, Jace, um, that you read? There was, yeah. I'd, as you said, John, there's been a lot of noise on social media today with people either seemingly taking one side or the other and being sort of very polar about this my personal view is that I, I just can't believe we're having to debate and talk about fellow football fans of the same football club being aggressive towards each other trying to intimidate each other being generally offensive towards each other uh, that, that just doesn't seem so wrong to me but notice a, a tweet um, from earlier this evening from Jake Horwood and this is, this is brilliant a couple of tweets I'm going to read them out 
Believe it or not, the concepts that the 1881 are brilliant and that Vicarage Road doesn't have an earth-shattering atmosphere are allowed to coexist. They did the right thing trying to move to the centre, but it didn't work. They are not in the wrong for trying. The people who refuse to give up the seats they may have sat in for decades aren't either. I don't see why there have to be heroes in, and villains in this debate. I think he's got it absolutely bang on there. Yeah, no heroes, no villains. Why didn't you? Why didn't you read those? Why didn't you read those tweets out at the start? It could have saved me fifteen minutes of ranting. It just but, su- su- summed it up perfectly. But Mike, we missed the rant. We wanted to, you know, we, we were aware after ten seasons how actually doing this podcast helps you mentally and the rest of your family. <laughs> Cathartic. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Jason, you had a great experience. Watfordy experience uh, taking uh, Daniel, who was at the end of the last podcast. What what for the end to his day? It was it was quite fun at the at the end of the day. Um, firstly, I, I'm, there's a little bit of me that's quite quite pleased of the game that he experienced on Saturday for his first competitive fixture. My first game was a one nil defeat at home to Shrewsbury. His is a three nil defeat at home to Brighton. We've had similar experiences there. Um, so after we recorded the podcast, um, he had a, a, a couple of sort of starstruck moments. Firstly, we're walking down. Uh, Occupation Road and Adrian Mariapa has walked past with uh, one of his kids on his shoulders. Daniel staring at him in awe. Um, Maps has turned around and said, you want to piggyback as well, don't you? To which I replied, no chance, not nothing going on there. But then further on down the road, we've seen Mr. and Mrs. Delafeo go past. Daniel's there in his in his Watford kit and uh, he's sort of st- again staring, starstruck through the window and they've sort of spotted him as they've gone around the corner uh, Mrs. Delafeo sort of waved at Daniel, he's waved back, so, and, and then sort of Gerard seen it and he sort of joined in. And that, that seemed to cheer him up a bit because he wasn't looking happy at all. <laughs> and he had a little smile on his face when he waved, which was great. Unfortunately for them, they then got stuck in traffic a bit further down the road. <laughs> so Daniel saw the opportunity to go and run after them and sort of got to the car and then just sort of stood there staring at them through the window. <laughs> uh, uh, to which apparently, according to Daniel, Mrs. Delafeo did say hello to him. So we asked him, what, what did you say back? And he said, nothing. <laughs> so bless him. First game and he's, and he's been starstruck already. At least Daniel left having a, a good time, having those lovely moments of when, when you meet Watford players for the first time. Talking of sons, uh, Mike's surname is Parkin. Here's a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, it's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Watford Everton this weekend, bit of a grudge match, Richarlison and, and Silva. But if there's one team that Watford could beat, who do you want it to be? Luton. Why is that? Because they're our rivals. And what do you think of Luton? Well, I think we'll hold it right there. Thanks very much for joining us, Arlo. <laughs> Bye. Watford uh, this weekend headed off to Goodison Park uh, to see the Snake uh, to play Everton uh, in the Zed Cars Derby. And Matt Rowson, writer of Be Happy uh, and formerly, of course, of Be Sad, was at the game. Uh, do read Matt's uh, blog posts after after games. They are brilliant. The first one he wrote after Brighton started when wanting to burn their clothes. Uh, it's very lovingly and, and, and brilliantly written. So do make sure you, you follow Matt. Matt Rowson on Twitter and, and social media. I chat to Matt after the game uh, to get his take on Watford away at Everton. Matt, before the game started, 
How were you feeling about another trip to Goodison Park? Well, it's football, and therefore it's a good thing. Goodison Park specifically obviously hasn't been a, a particularly happy hunting ground, but first we've got to win there at some point. And I think the, the trepidation more than about Goodison was was stoked by last week's performance and, and the hope was for anything better than that, really. So excitement because it's an away game again and it's the first away game of the season. Trepidation because last week was so disappointing and surprisingly so. Um, and we were you know, hoping for something a bit better, but knowing that we haven't got a great record of Goodison, that was, that was a... I don't think our expectations were very high. So we, the two sides of it, and unfortunately the, the sort of negative side came out fairly early on the game with a goal after, from 10 minutes, a, 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 a very speculative ball forward, run on two and, and, and cut into the, to the near side. Were you thinking the worst at that point? Yeah, of course. And we'd started very slowly, sluggishly. So all the spaces we were leaving in midfield last week, the sluggishness, poor body language, that was all still there. And mm. you say it was a, a hopeful ball out of defence, which it was, but they'd been playing that ball regularly or trying to, trying to put the ball over, um, particularly Kiko's head, but but Holabas on the other side as well, trying to find Bernard and Richarlison herring in behind them with, with some success and, and only achieving it because we were giving them too much space to play those balls. And the goal had been coming. Even after 10 minutes, we looked very much second best. Okay, it wasn't evident at the time that the ball got a deflection that didn't help and perhaps gives gives Ben Foster something to point at, but being beaten as he was at his near post, nonetheless, will be a disappointment. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great start by any stretch. The overall, you know, reports coming out of the game and everyone talking, even, you know, and this is, this is not just the, the positive post-match manager chat, was the fact that it was a better performance. And that seemed to sort of just about kick in as, as, as the half finished. Could you sort of, was it just everybody being better or was there something particular that, that Watford started doing that, you know, started you know, raising those hopes? I think it seemed to me to us that Everton stepped off a bit, which certainly helped. Um, whether they were hoping to, you know, suck us forward and catch us on the break in the way that Brighton did or not, or whether they didn't have the, the legs to keep going as they'd started, I don't know. But, but we certainly had a bit more space and we started to tighten up in midfield. I don't think we defended that badly throughout. The goal was poor, but Craig Dawson was, was an awful lot better. It was in the midfield where Kapoor and Dekure started stamping on things and started to get hold of the ball and started to squeeze those spaces a little bit. Certainly, I say, I don't think it was, a, it was an instantaneous thing. It was a gradual thing. You sort of realised that suddenly we didn't have our backs to the wall anymore. We were having a bit of possession. We were pushing forward into their half. And by the end of the half, you know, disappointed to be behind, but but actually quite positive at half time because we've managed to turn the performance around a little bit even at that stage. Uh, and they so say the second half uh, that that sort of continued with the attack though. Was it? Could you put it down to the fact that that Jerry was in his comfier place? Was was it significant, or do you think it just comes down to the fact that both he and Pereira have had another week to get fit and they're both, you know, on better on, on better form? I don't know how much fitness played a part. That might certainly have been, been an element of it. Pereira was certainly more impressive than he had been last week. We did start very strongly in the second half and were the better side throughout the second half without really hammering the door down. I think Everton defended extremely well. Um, and and for a long time, Troy wasn't getting a lot out of Michael Keane. But Pereira in particular did well. Delafio had a quiet game, but even when he has a quiet game, he's he's got the ability to 
to do one or two things that make the difference. And, yeah. and he his pass played through Deeney, and you know, I don't think there's any blame at Deeney's feet for the fact that Pickford was out extremely quickly. <laughs> and used his face. Yeah, and he's in the face, that's right. So, but, but you know, the, the, the start of that move was a significant bit because what you saw increasingly as the, as the half went on was Watford breaking up an attack and either Capu or Dekure, Capu in this case, sort of surging forward with the ball with, with everything collapsing in front of them. Yeah, OK, we didn't get a goal, but that was that was hugely encouraging. That's what Watford played like. That's what Watford do. So Capu picked out Delafay, Delafay picked out Deeney and Deeney. Got a shot away quite quickly, but Pickford was out extremely quickly to, de- to deny him at the cost of a smack in the face. Yeah. The performance was an awful lot better in the second half than the first and an awful lot better than, than last week. Well, that, that's all, that is fantastic. You know, that's the, the, the feeling you want to at least progress. And, and maybe we're at home next week to West Ham will be in an even, even better place. But what about the, you know, there's always that cry when things aren't going well. Let, let's have the thing that we, we don't know about, the thing that, that's on the bench. And, and, you know, we haven't seen Zar yet. And I still think he's probably going to be a couple of weeks away. But Welbeck came on for a good 20 minutes or so. Uh, yeah. A man who's not played football since oh, November. You know, a long, long, long time. Uh, can you see the, the starting of, of his role or was that just purely, you know, everything and the kitchen sink at Everton, you know, his substitution, or was that more thoughtful? Well, just, just quickly, the the, 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 the answer being on the bench might might it to um, be happy, would want to call that the give it to Slater effect um, from <laughs> many years ago. Um Welbeck came on with about, yeah, as you say, 20 minutes to go. His first touch was um, extraordinarily bad. His first first touch, having, you know, he'd been given a lot of adulation from the from the stands. Um, <laughs> it's just a bit of a letdown. But he looked, I'd say the truth is somewhere between the two suggestions you put forward there. He, he certainly needs minutes, but he did give our forward line something else. And he looks, for all these rusty, he looks clever. He looks mobile. He looks agile. Every touch was, even with the ones that weren't quite judged right, you know, his, his, he knew where people were. He knew the ball to play. He didn't give the ball away. Sometimes he wasn't quite physically sharp or strong enough, but he didn't play a bad pass. Significantly, I think, Troy suddenly started getting the better of Michael Keane. And I, hmm. the, my, you know, it's two ways to read that. One is that, that Keane was getting tired of being battered by, by Troy Deeney. But the other is that you know, Troy had somebody making the runs that he, he, you know, he could anticipate and, and was flicking the ball on for him and, and doing quite well at it. So early days, um, I think Welbeck and, and, you know, so we haven't seen Stark yet, but they both give us different options up front. You know, we have an established, if not an established front four, then, then an established side with a couple of things that get switched around, Delafayo yeah. and Gray in different positions and so on. You know, it's been effective. You could argue that once teams work out how to play against us, it will be less effective. Welbeck and Sark, it was plenty more options. Plenty, plenty more options. And when I saw the original lineup, um, it was like, oh, that looks familiar. That's that's normal yeah. Watford. Um, and it was good, the fact that even before the substitutions came, they were able to sort of start turning things around uh, and, and being a better side. So you, you are a, a confident man going into the next game and, and, and beyond this, se- you know, in, in the season beyond? I'm a lot happier than I was a week ago, where you just didn't know where that had come from. I mean, Brighton did well on the day but there was such poor body language from the Watford players that's what made me more, more anxious than anything is you know is something bad here um we do need results from our next couple of games um from West Ham and Newcastle otherwise we we really will be playing catch up with some difficult games 
coming up after that, but I'm a lot more confident than I was. And I think we were we were a bit unlucky not to get something from from Everton, and it's obviously not someone we've got got points from a lot in the past. Um, the performance certainly once we got going was an awful lot better. Um, so yes, I'm 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 a lot more bullish than I was after the Brighton game. <laughs> A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. We thought we would look into the future, speculate, because there's not a lot you can do this time of year that sort of feels concrete. It's always speculative. So we've got a couple of ideas. What do we think is going to be happening in this season? So firstly, Jason, what do you think the main, not only the main formation is going to be for Watford this season. We were, well, pretty much we've been playing 4-4-2, it's felt like, this last year at least. But there's the, will it turn into into 4-3-3 slash 4-3-2-1? You know, love saying all these numbers in a row. What do they actually mean? Who knows? Um, what, do you, what do you think this formation is going to look like now we have a clear idea of what we have. Let's start with what we what we have so far. We we call it a four four two. In reality, it's kind of a four two two two, and probably not even that simple because, as I've banged on about so many times, we play quite narrow. Um, that's got to change slightly, I think, with Saar. And I don't want to repeat myself from from the previous podcast, but he plays a lot wider. Um, so I think that that base four four two can remain, and I I don't think we will go one up front either because one it doesn't suit our club captain, two it doesn't suit Gerard Delafeu, who you think will play whenever he's fit. So if those guys are are going to play, you expect to see them in a two, and if you're going to go to one up front, you're probably not going to see either of them play. You, Deeney, I'm sure you wouldn't because he, he can't play on his own. Delafeo, maybe if you play him, if you're playing him as one of the probably three behind the lone strike, if that's what you're going to do, play him on the right hand side. But then how do you deal with his defensive responsibility? Because that wasn't great apart from chasing back his own mistake on Saturday. It's tricky. So that's why I think we would stick with, with two up front. So do you then do something different behind? If you're not going to play narrow, so instead of having a two, do you do you do something different with the midfielders? Well, that's the thing. Lou, Lou Orns uh, on, uh, on, on Twitter, prolific in his tweets and his knowledge of far-flung football, put a couple of uh, blog posts up this week. Uh, yeah, at Lou Orns uh, on Twitter, and he sort of he, he stuck it out there, which I quite liked. Uh, sort of sitting there as a three in midfield is someone like Queener to add creativity to that midfield. That sort of makes me go, yeah, that's. I mean, that, that's really what was missing on Saturday. Something to sort of open things up. So playing four three three, but then that two, the, the third that goes with um, Decore and Caput is that Queener, or or maybe even it could be it could be it could be Queener, it could be Hughes, it could be Pereira um, playing and trying to be that creativity. I mean, it could even be Jerry sticking him there when you put Troy and Andre or Troy and Welbeck up front. 
Yeah, so part I think part of the creativity problem on Saturday was the fact that our two most creative players in Pereira, long season last season, only just come back from South America, not played much, not done much at all pre-season, so he's not fit yet. Delafeo has been carrying an injury through pre-season, not quite fit yet. So those two were both lacking a bit of spark and that, that affected our, our creativity big time. As much as the formation may have been at fault on Saturday, there's that to consider as well. But yeah, we, we, you mentioned Luan's blog piece and I think he talked about Pereira and how well he played in that creative role um, in the semi-final uh, against Wolves. Uh, so yeah, he is capable of fulfilling that role. It's not his best position. His best position is cutting in from the left-hand side. If we do set up like that, then what do we do with Saar? Because if Saar's an out-and-out wide player, there's nowhere really in, in that formation. So, and then you're probably, you're either looking at 4-4-2 to accommodate the the front two, or you you are going to one up front and you're saying, okay, no Dini, perhaps then it's Welbeck when Welbeck's fit. Because I, I had a feeling reading like that with Saar, and, and I thought of Pereira, because when, when, when Ricky turned up, you know, for his one season he had with us with Charleston, you know, that's Mike is actually where Pereira lost out because his favourite place to play is out on the left. And, and that's where Ricky was. Uh, and he got stuck in the middle. Can we see him getting lost again this year and, and, and not getting as much time on the pitch? Potentially. I think probably Pereira is is the one I think might be the next cab off the rank to, to leave. I don't know what I just have that. I just have a feeling that he's it's really difficult to say they're so he's so mercurial isn't he um i know kevin affleck takes takes pelters on um on on twitter for for sticking up for him and saying how good he is and of course he's absolutely right we're spoiled i think to a degree we've never had players of his ilk at Watford before, really, certainly not in in recent memory. I guess John Barnes and and Callahan were, were were amazing players, but but recently we we have had nothing like him, and now we've got him, and we've got Pereira and now and, and Delafeu, and, and and hopefully Sars going to come in and make a name for himself as well. But he's he is mercurial. I think he does dip in and out of of form quite quite dramatically. He can change a game as as he's shown. Um, but he's never felt a hundred percent settled, has he? Really, for me, I don't think. Well, injury did have a problem with that. It felt like the injuries he yeah. had made him. You know, he came back and he was fit and all, but he just wasn't a hundred percent into it. And last season, he started that season full full pelter, mm. and and it felt like the injury had gone. Yeah, and he was you know he was terrific to start with. We thought right, we've got him going, and then I think it was a t- it was Tottenham away, wasn't it, where we at Wembley, and he he looked. He he just looked unfit and he and he didn't look he didn't look yeah. able to perform to the to the level that that he had done, um, and it's just it, those dips are are quite big and I just do wonder whether, I mean no one's seen Sar play yet for for Watford so he's got a, he's got a, he's got a yeah. lot to a lot to prove and a lot to live up to, um, you know those supposedly in the know and those that have seen him and uh, and and the footage that exists of him suggest he's going to be a very exciting player but yeah I do I do feel that. I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is that Pereira's role at Watford has been less defined than than any of the other players. You know, Delafeu is is virtually a guaranteed starter when fit, isn't he? He's um, he's, he's he just is um, whether he's whether he's out wide or or in or in, a stri- or in a striking role. Um, but I just feel Pereira's role is is less defined. So 
incredibly long-winded way of answering your question, as is uh, as is my want. Uh, that I'm sure the <laughs> listeners wouldn't want anything else. But yeah, I think he is in danger of uh, of losing his space, and I think he is in danger of perhaps being being forced to fight for it, which perhaps may not be a bad thing. No, not at all. But we, 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 we you know, looking at also here's, my, here's the next question for you, Mike. Mm-hmm. How many goals will Troy Deeney score this season? Forty. Forty. How many did How many did Clive <laughs> Allen get? How many beers have you had this evening? <laughs> Nowhere near enough to suggest forty. I think. I think. <laughs> because let's, let's let's go through his stats. So in the last since we've come in the Premier League, Kike he scored thirteen. He scored ten under Walter. Five in the silver mm. year, and he scored nine last year. He's banging in goals. When think when times are good, Troy Deeney scores goals. It's about him fitting into the system and the fact that. You know, yeah, I suppose the phrase is, how many goals do you score, so how many games do you start? So in that pecking order, do you think he's going to lose, you know, is there a good chance of him losing out to Welbeck? Or could, or even Andre? It's, it's incredibly difficult to say. I mean, what, what you look back at Troy's biggest purple patch, and that was under, under in the Premier League, under Kike, alongside Igalo in that first Premier League season. Um, you could argue that Igalo is rel- relatively... Limited in terms of in terms of a Premier League footballer, he's not going to get a, a, a top six move or anything like that. But they forged that amazing partnership and um, and they just sparked off each other. I think Troy will benefit if if Saar is the wide player that we hope he's going to be, supplying sort of um, the ammunition, getting down to the flank, um, stopping Troy having to come deep, win the ball, then get himself back into position to win a knockdown or to or to get back into. Basically, stopping him to have having to work so hard, um, then I think he could really unlock Troy and Andre Gray or Troy and Danny Welbeck's um, uh, possibility. It's fascinating. You, you kind of forget about Danny Welbeck still, don't you? Because obviously we had the the three nil reverse, and we haven't seen him really in a in a Watford shirt at all. And yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't seen Watford shirt, but I've seen him in the training kit. Yep, yep, uh, yeah, I have sat and watched the YouTube video on the club's uh, YouTube channel where you basically see him getting a bunch. And, and I watched one for Sar as well. Very. That's how much time I've got at the moment. Um, the he's just going through all the medical tests and like you know the, the fitness test is brilliant. And very very sit and watch them. I loved I loved the video of uh, of Sar turning up with a in a plus with a plastic bag in the in the pouring rain. On uh, on Wednesday <laughs> yeah. morning, that was great for for that to be our first sort of sighting on. But I think I think if Sar can do the business down that that down that flank, do some serious damage as an out and out winger, supplying the ammunition for 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 a striker like Troy, it would just freeze him up to do what he does best, which is to feed off it um, and 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 score goals. I I hope that this is going to be a, a really good season for him. I think he will feel like he's got something to prove. He said his his stats there 10 goals last year. I'm not sure how many were penalties. 5 the year before that. He won't he won't be happy with that. He'll be disappointed about his the 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 end of the of the season. He got he got sent off against Arsenal. Um missed three games and will have watched as the sort of as Watford's form fell off a cliff culminating in that dreadful um, result in the in the FA Cup final, but so he, I think he'll still have a lot to prove. You know, he he is that kind of guy who wants to improve every year, and I think he that there is still as as we've said before, there are people that doubt his doubt his ability, doubt how much he can impact on on a Premier League season. He'll want to prove them wrong. I think the key is Sar. I think if he plays well, then then we'll sort we'll see score we'll see goals from Troy. How many is he going to get? If he can get thirteen again, that would be absolutely magnificent. So I'm going to put a quid on him getting. Um, Getting 13. 
Unlucky for some, lucky for us. Jason, uh, over under 10 for Troy. <sighs> Tricky. First question, back to, back to Mike. You said 40 goals a season. Is that because we're going to switch to one up front and we're going to loan him out to Fulham for the rest of the season? Because <laughs> <laughs> he could probably manage 40 in the championship easily. Um, I, I'm going to say under 10. Okay. One, we've seen... Last season, we were goals from all over the pitch. I don't think that will change this season. This season, I think we've got players throughout the side that can score goals. Um, so we're not reliant on our on our strikers. And as we said before, there's more competition up front now. And we're talking about possible changes in formation. And if, if things aren't going to go away, if teams have worked out rather easily how to combat our 4 2 2 2 um, then Harry will need to change things and he may not get as much game time as perhaps he has done in previous seasons. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Right, so here's one for you. We've talked about these players, you know, the ones we, you know, we talked about Delafay, we talked about Prayer, we talked about Dini, we talked about Zar. Who is going to be, now this is a very careful question, who is going to be the most important player to the next evolution of Watford this season. Mike. I think we, just as we're talking there, sort of had a sort of flood of optimism talking about um, our attacking options with, with Saar coming in and Danny Welbeck having having something to prove, Andre Gray and Troy Deeney having a potential to, to fire up their, their partnership. So I'm quite comfortable with, with our attacking options. I think we've done well there. The midfield speaks for itself. So... If we're really going to turn the corner, then we need to tighten up defensively. We didn't see huge numbers of, of individual errors last year in, 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 in defence for, for the most part, but we weren't quite good enough. And I think that's where we, that's where we, need, to, need, we need to tighten up. Craig Dawson came in and, as I said, I wasn't at the game on, on Saturday, but uh, let's say he didn't have the most glowing no, of no, uh, of no. reviews for his his debut. So I can't I can't pass pass judgment. But I think he's going to be important. I think we were we were happy with him as a with him as a signing. I think he needs to underpin that defence. He needs to shore it up. There's been a lot of faith put in him because we haven't signed anyone else um, from a defensive point of view. Uh, and if we want to keep evolving, because that's the question: how do how how what we're going to continue to evolve then we need to shape up at the back I think we've kind of perhaps got away with it a little bit over the last couple of years with with Craig Cathcart and and Mariapa I use the phrase a lot sort of it sounds disparaging but on paper a very championshipy sounding sounding centre-back pairing when you look at look at the teams you're coming up against uh, week in week out Jason who's going to be the most important person player to evolve Watford in a, on a in a similar vein so we obviously we've talked about a lot about our attacking options and how we've got lots of different pieces that we can fit into a, a lesser number of holes. So we've got options there. We've got people that can challenge. That centre back pairing is is what it is. It, it's it's going to be first choice. You think pretty much throughout the season. It's one you can you can pick easily. The person who needs to influence and put pressure on that the most is Christian Cabaselli. Now, we've mm. always talked about him in terms of being maybe a, a future centre back, a younger player, but he's not actually that young, is he? He's he's older than probably everyone realizes and he's coming to that stage of his career now where he needs to be 
knocking on the demo- on the door and demanding a regular first team place. We know why he isn't. Last year we saw I think we saw the best and worst of Cabaselli at times. So the the Everton game away where he gave away that penalty, the stupid free kick at the end. I thought his best game was uh, at home to Arsenal, where we've already mentioned about Troy getting sent off early in that one, when we were chasing the game in the second half. At times, Cabaselli was left defending on his own, and he actually seemed to step up and, and was up to the task and defended quite admirably for, for a guy up against a, a strong Arsenal attacking lineup. So if we get games like we had with Brighton, where the centre-backs aren't performing and are struggling. Javi needs to turn to Cabaselli and say, right, you've been showing to me how good you are in training. Now's your chance. Now's your opportunity to get in that side and show us what you've got and that you can you can be the man I'm relying on to help Watford keep clean sheets, help Watford win games. Time for Cabaselli to step up. And I think, for me, he's the one that can put the pressure on the other two, whether it is him playing and and becoming that standout first team regular or the fact that his improvement as a player then drives the other two on to produce the performances when it matters they were not the players I thought you two were going to pick (laughs) (laughs) from the rookery end we're going to bring back it's been a while a, a quiz uh, on to uh, from the recruit a monthly go at going for golden uh, your chance to test your what for knowledge we will give you five clues for each clue you will lose a point so you get five points if you get it after one clue four points if you get after two clues and so on and so on and so on all based on the 1980s late 80s early uh, early 90s early afternoon pan-european quiz show going for gold uh, so for this first round I'd like to hand over to our own Henry Kelly for another round of Hello and welcome to another Going for Golden your chance to show off your Watford FC knowledge remember you can buzz in whenever you like by pressing the pause button on the device you're listening on if you're right you gain the last score set if you're wrong then you can continue to play along but your score won't count We have five clues, and with each, you should find it easier to guess the answer. So let's play! Where am I? For five points, Watford played their only ever game as English league leaders at this ground. For four points, Watford have played a cup semi-final here. For three points, the team to play here have two European honours. For two points, Watford last played here in 2016, winning 1-0. And for one point, you can find it on the banks of the River Trent. Where am I? Well, it's the city ground in Nottingham. So that we back for another round uh, in next month in September. Uh, if you got a score, please send it in. Hashtag going for golden, uh, or just send it to uh, at Watford Podcast on our social medias. What did you score? Five, four, three, two, one, or zero. Hopefully, 
if you've got any sort of decent geography knowledge, uh, especially of major rivers, you would have got at least one point. Jason, how did you do? I'll be honest. I, I went all in at three and, and got it right. I think I got sucked in. So with the the cup semi final and the team that play having two European honours, I went for White Hart Lane. You see, because yeah. we played the seventy cup semi final yeah, yeah, yeah. there, and I think Spurs they definitely won the UEFA in the eighties, and I think they beat Wolves in the Intercities Fair Cup, wherever it was in the seventies as well. And I was thinking, that was, oh yeah, it must be, must be that. So um, unfortunately, Jason, that means you don't get any points. Zero points, yeah. yeah. And obviously got to the got to the last two. And was like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, I'd like to thank actually Lionel Burney for helping out because the clue number five is a cracker. Watford played their only ever game in the English as English league leaders at that ground. So uh, thanks to Lionel for that one. Mike, did you buzz in too early or did you get a score? Did you risk it? I kept my powder dry and went for it at the uh, European Honour stage. Three points. Three points for uh, for M Park in Esquire. Yeah, get in there. Oh, very well done. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back in. You see, I I think I've been done by my excellent knowledge of general knowledge of football here. <laughs> tr- remembering that Spurs had won European honours, the In City's Fair Cup back in the seventies or whatever. And if I have indeed got that wrong, I've looked that up now because I've probably made myself look even more stupid. <laughs> So thank you. Do send us your scores at World Podcast and social media. Um, and uh, yeah, see how many points you can score across the season as we play Going for Golden. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. I can officially reveal I am an idiot because I was right. Spurs did win the uh, UEFA Cup or Intercity's Fair Cup, whatever it was, in the 70s. But apparently they also won the Cup Winners' Cup in the, in the 60s. So they've got three European honours. <laughs> oh, back, back to school for me. Yeah, well, get your, your stat book out, Jason. Actually, that's quite disappointing for you, Jason. You're always better with the stats than the rest of us. Uh, thank you very much for listening to From the Rooker End. Do follow us on social media, at Watford Podcast. Uh, and we're back, as we will try to be, every single Monday morning for you to listen to From the Rooker End. Uh, where we react to the game. The only thing that normally changes that is either the game has been changed by uh, television or uh, we've got to do some special recovery work for Roberto Pereira and often have to give him a massage. That's often the reason why we can't do them. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Jason. Well, thank you. And thank you, Michael. You're more than welcome. Now, listen, everyone, this is a magical team we support, a magical club. We're all lucky to be Watford supporters. Get behind Watford. Be loud, be proud, be good to each other. Come on, you horns!